They held each other close and turned their backs upon the end. The hills that split asunder and the black that ate the skies. The flames that shot so high and hot that even dragons burned would never be the final sights that fell upon their eyes. A fly upon a wall, the waves, the sea wind whipped and churned. A city of a thousand years and all that men had learned. The doom consumed it all alike, and neither of them turned. I would clap. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Game of Bones. We're back as promised. And we're on a boat. It's good to be back. (laughs) Together. But don't worry, we brought the satchel, so we will have plenty of bones later on in the episode. If the stone men don't get it. Heading into uh, episode six, something really cool is going to be happening on Sunday night. And it's not just the airing of the episode taking place in a particular part of the country, which I will let Zach reveal because he's going to be there. It is north of the wall, if you think about it. Uh, at least uh, if you live here in the good old U.S. of A. U.S. and A. <laughs> uh, no, this is very exciting. We're This is something that has been in the works for quite a long time. Just before this season began, we had a very special episode planned. We've spoken with people who are introducing really cool things into this fandom that we perhaps have seen in in, uh, in other fandoms. Um, or, or not only that, but it's just, you know, sort of a key component of fan creativity and interactivity has uh, led to the production of things that we've featured on our show, such as uh, the School of Thrones web videos. And uh, I mean, that's just one example. But I mean, it really, for me, is is much more exciting than that. I mean, to, to say, to introduce or to speak with this group of individuals who are known, uh, their common tongue name is Daenerys and the Targaryens. You know a series based around a story is doing quite well. When, when music is crafted around the ideas, we saw this take place with the Potter fandom back in the day which is kind of it's just a, a bit mind-blowing to say to be able to say that mm-hmm. it was it was back in the day but uh I'm, I'm happy to report that the stirrings are stirring and that was a a, a special that we had considered and we, we thought it'd be really fun to integrate that toward the beginning of the season but as we normally do on the podcast we kind of consider if there's an option to take things up to another level if you are in the greater Denver, Colorado area this Sunday night around 6 p.m., make your way downtown to the Armory for what will be, yes, a Game of Owns live show featuring a Westerosian rock band titled <laughs> Daenerys and the Targaryens. That is reality. How are we feeling right now? That are you going to sing? It's awesome. Yes, I will sing. Awesome. I had the pleasure of listening to an entire album of selected music that they have written and performed, and they're very as a band they have the attitude they have the attitude <laughs> and the talent to pull it off um to go as Danny and the Targs i mean they have basically songs that you would never dream of existing if they hadn't plucked them out of yeah the ether yeah. no i mean theon the other white mate uh is just is just a name of, yeah. of one of the and it's a song about uh Ramsey and Theon so you know i i I, I was I was so uh, I I anticipated listening and I was not let down by the creativity and by the actual uh, structuring the writing that they were able to do the singing everything about it. This band is as as a as a nerd rock 
band or Wester Rock, whatever you'd like to call it. I was genuinely impressed uh, by their by their music. I love each of their songs that appears on their album. They have one called You Know Nothing, Jon Snow. I mean, it's just like, this is what you'd want out of... I mean, songs in, in the, in the series you hear about, like people, their histories is being told in song. This yeah. is the next step. This is the fourth wall step. This is, this is fans singing about the show and the books that they love, that they read and love. So this is another further level of music and interest and creativity being shown. And it's, it's done really well. It is a, a massive bummer. See, these, these things are kind of, you know, we're mid season. So it's, it's, it's a very busy time for all of us, but it's a massive bummer. Eric and Micah will not be able to make it guys. I am literally not sure if I can handle the mantle of goo without you. I may have my phone on FaceTime the entire time just to know that you're <laughs> near me. You know, I think Daenerys might steal the throne and usurp all of us. I will be in good company. Daenerys and the Targaryens will join me on stage for the show. It'll be great after the weeks of talking to these guys to actually have them on our show and to meet them and see them. In addition to the live podcast, we're all going to be watching the sixth episode together. This definitely sounds awesome, and I think that it's an opportunity for us to continue to be a part of the community and, and meet other members of the Game of Thrones community. These Definitely. live shows are something that we look forward to each and every year. That is just a lot of fun. It's, it's live in person interaction. It's not just listening to somebody talk to you inside your ear holes. And mm. we always find just the greatest people when, when we do these shows, we, we did them last year in Indianapolis and Orlando. And I remember in Orlando, just sitting down and, and having food and, and just kind of relaxing and talking to people who listen to the show. And, and that's, that's what it's about. I mean, we're, we're all people who enjoy the same thing. Uh, we, we really enjoy this, this community and, and this fandom and, we look forward to these events because we get to interact with all of you. And so if you're in the Denver area, like Zach said, definitely go and check it out. Cause I know that uh, he's itching to meet all it's of exciting. you. It's going to be a fun time. We wanted to take this episode really to talk about what happened specifically to Tyrion and Jorah and where it happened. Because I think for so long we've heard about Valyria and we never really got a chance to, witness it and we talked a little bit about on the last episode i think zach it was actually your own wasn't it where they're mm -hmm. slowly riding up on the water and they see in the distance the ancient ruins as the smoky mist rises off the water and it's just such an ominous place and we we hear stories not just about valyria but we hear about all parts of essos and we don't always get the chance to go there and now finally five seasons in we're there you know we, we've gone to bravos we've gone to all the slaver cities for the most part but now we're getting exposed to places that are really rich in history and that we've heard mentioned in passing and you know events of many many years many 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 years ago so it's it's so cool to see two of our favorite characters heading there. They really pass through. If I had to guess, I would say they're already done with what remains of Lyria, especially after their encounter. Um, 
the fact that it was sort of a footnote to this episode, but it was still done so extremely well and looked so cool. It's very, it's going to end up being one of the more memorable uh, scenes, I think, for for like 150 different reasons. Um, Definitely. But uh, but yeah, I, I think if that remains all that we ever see of Valyria, I'll still be happy. I don't think I'll be happy until we have a new series or collection of films. <laughs> Yeah, explore the old histories the and old what happened history. with the Doom and everything beforehand, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, Those are in true. the work, though, aren't they? <laughs> we can only they? hope. No, but I mean, just in general, that that was one smoldering ruin. So much to think about, and so much to look at, so much to see, really, on screen. And not, of course, just the, the hidden uh, creatures who are who are in the ruins from the beginning which which I love about it you can almost make out you can just sort of make out a head and shoulders while the dragon is distracting them but uh everything from Drogon flying over to the fact that there's this narrow passage that they're sailing through and they they really aren't going that fast uh it was basically set up for 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 danger it's it's big dangerous sort of route for Jorah to take and I was curious at first why he would do it um, except the the answer turns out to be in the dialogue. I assume he's avoiding pirates. He wants to avoid uh, pirates who sail those waters because he's playing on their fear of Valyria, and I assume it's also because he'd be quickly outnumbered uh, if a single you know pirate ship were to find him and his prize, Tyrion. Yeah, that would be quite a dangerous situation. And this is a gamble, a gamble that, as we saw in the episode did not quite pay off. No, I mean and we don't know what kind of uh healing powers. I know we mentioned this before, but we don't we don't know like if uh grayscale is something that can be cleared locally uh anymore or if the the knowledge of that if the people who do that are are really just elsewhere, but Yeah, he actually uh has to kiss a stone man. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what got him into this mess. Um, <laughs> yeah, we we never saw, did we? We never saw. We never. He was he was kind of coy. How about did it. he get out of that situation? Is what I want to know. Right? It was a uh, it was a scratch, right? Because I think the scales were Khaleesi like... look alike. Stone woman. That's what happened. Oh God, he should be so lucky. No, I think in general though, this 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 gamble turned out to it may cost him his life. Let's just say that. And uh, you know. For for what you ha- how you may feel about Jorah as a character up to this point, watching uh, the television show, he is looking for redemption, but he's not completely stupid so as to repeat the mistake that he just made, which was to leave Tyrion to leave Tyrion bound. I mean, one of the first things he does is uh, well after <clears throat> bringing him back uh, is undo his bindings. So I think that at this point, even though one is still the other's prisoner, it kind of We've seen this before with Tyrion, like he befriends his captors and pretty soon he's walking around, you know, alongside him. But I think it serves the additional purpose in this case for them to be walking around because if something were to happen to Jorah, if Jorah's condition worsens, Tyrion has the ability now to escape, which will become crucial. I mean, it was crucial here. Tyrion nearly drowned as a result of uh, him being tied. So I don't know. The options are in the air. We have... A couple different reasons why this could be the case, and I think that an argument could be made for you know they just went through a life-threatening encounter with one another, and that brings people together. Mm-hmm. But also, they're now walking and without the boat that Jorah sort of stole. 
You wonder what happened in the boat. That damn fade out. And they were so far across the <laughs> bay, too. It's like, how, how did they get that far across the bay? They, yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know. You're right. When it, when it comes back, and I realize this on multiple, multiple rewatchings, like from the fade out to the cut back in, there actually was probably a lot that went on. But also Jorah is now stricken with grayscale, which mm-hmm. we saw very dramatically. And I think that puts a person in a different mindset than they would have previously been in. and a little bit more forgiving and a little bit more humane in their current situation. And I think that no matter what, they're both going to be on this journey together and they will not have to work with each other. As so many great romances start. The situation that they were put in was one that Jorah could have made a lot easier, certainly by unbiding Tyrion's hands. And even while the fight was going on, maybe it was a little tough for him to be able to do that, but a lot of what results from the stone men attacking could have maybe been prevented in some capacity if Tyrion's hands were free. Well, he definitely he definitely doesn't handle uh, bondage as, as well as his brother. <laughs> Sir Jamie uh, has fought with a sword with his hands both bound. I just go back to the fact that we are in the ruins of Old Valyria. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just something that as a book reader to, to actually see it on screen it's it's you know it's one thing to hear about it in the books from certain characters talking about history it's another thing to read about it but then to actually see it and the fact that this eastern world has been opened up to us we know Danny's been over there for quite some time but with Arya being in Bravos and now Tyrion traveling east and and being in Volantis before this and traveling through old Valyria and we're getting to see this world, this magical world that has something about it that Westeros just lacks, at least with the exception of beyond the wall. This, this is a land of mystery of, of magic of, of, you know, these mythical creatures. And we see Drogon fly over uh, Valyria. And I think, Eric was the one who mentioned it on the last episode. You almost wonder, is there something within the ruins that's a calling uh, to, to Drogon, and that, that he's there, that of all places to see him, this is where we see him, knowing what happened during the Doom. And it's amazing that somebody like Brian Cogman was able to capture all this in, in this particular episode. I love that the show's gone here. I love that this breadth of the story has been opened up not to just those who decide to dive into the text version of all that George R. R. Martin has created, but that people who are, are are interested and engaged viewers, I think of the level of interest that I have in, in, in a series like Mad Men and my desire to, even though it's based in, in the real world, my desire to understand motivations and to understand what built these people to become the kinds of people that they are and to look forward and to know that whenever the series finished, like even though these characters are obviously made up, like what sort of legacy will they leave? And Mm -hmm. Game of Thrones, the options are numerous, but this story, it's, it's hard for me to talk about it because it reminds me so much I mean, uh, differently, because I have things on my mind that I that I want to compare it to. And I'm like, ah, maybe I shouldn't do that because this is a, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. And we talk about Game of Thrones when it's in season. But it's difficult for me to talk about it otherwise. So I will just say we, we know the comparisons between George R. R. Martin and Tolkien's fiction. When I see a place like Old Valyria pop up in the show, I get excited because I I think about 
how cool it would have been if maybe we had a similar approach to the Lord of the Rings films or to the Hobbit trilogy where people see something like I've mentioned Weathertop on the show before and they understand all of the many thousands of years that it was in this place. But the characters that we're focusing on now are just walking past it or in some cases walking into it and harboring and staying there for the night. And that's kind of what like what's happening here in so many different situations where our characters are hanging out with the fist of the first men and they find a cachet of things that are interesting to them, including <laughs> an old broken horn. Or when Jorah Mormont and Tyrion Lannister who are to us just people that are living in this story like they're 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 not fabled they're not mythical in this world but they're they're people that have hunger they're people that have a desire to drink wine they're people who go to the bathroom the people who have sex with other people they're just normal here we are but they're going through this place that at one time was exactly the same as what they are it was filled with people that looked at each other and had drinks. It was filled with people that sometimes rode in boats and sometimes traded goods for services and belongings. Mm-hmm. And now they're gone. But these people who are living currently see this place with wonder and recite poetry and think of all the possibilities and, and wonder and are curious that if there's ever a time of such, of such absolute power and control over an area, will that area be able to build a masterful place like they did when Valyria was in power for so long and was able to build up its empire to such a strong level that's what our characters that are currently living in the series are wondering and so it's just really cool when you see a story get to that place where it's not just what's happening now but also everything that happened before that matters and they've done a great job making that the case here not only with this scene, but with things that have obviously been in previous episodes that we've discussed, but this has just done a great job of opening it so much more in the East, even though we've seen places like Karth, we've seen places like Marine that have obviously been there for a very long time. And we've heard about how the Giscari use slaves when we were speaking with people like Krasnus. And I feel like we were a little less excited because it was just dropped in dialogue and it was clear that Daenerys was going through the motions and moving through what she thought was a path to where she was headed. Right. But I think that the show's matured enough and the pacing of this episode certainly did favor to us caring more about this scene rather than it just being something that was added. We had many angles. We had many emotions pumped through us while we were here. We had the first awestruck moment. We had a conversation drifting slowly through it. And then obviously we had the action that took place in the stone men came. So it, it was, it wasn't a one trick scene. Essentially it had, it had many different levels. And so it allowed us to get familiar with it. And I just think it's very cool. I just think that uh, bring it on. I wish yeah. that we had more of these opportunities to explore deeper into the series. Still. And I, I, I like the, I like the payoff really. I mean, we've heard about Valyrian steel. It came from here. It was forged here. They did it better than anybody else. There's only three thing I think three men alive that, Tywin Lannister could find who can rework steel that came from maybe the volcanoes um, or this this area. There's still some sort of forgotten abilities that these people possessed. And additionally, the language Daenerys speaks to all of the Unsullied High Valyrian. It came from here. It was spoken here first. You're talking about the history behind this place that no longer exists uh, except it's, you know, scorched earth. 
just to to ride a boat past it and sort of pay a sort of tribute in the way that Tyrion and Jorah do with their uh, poem of unknown origin is really special. It's a special sort of humanizing moment where you kind of bow down in front of history and then it's coupled with bowing down in front of the dragon. I mean, it's the first dragon Tyrion's ever seen. Jorah's already seen him, so it's probably old hat, but but still like these dragons that have also been extinct for how many how many hundreds of years. Um just to be alive and to be able to say you've you've seen one flap its wings um is unique. Is very it's a very special moment. And I think Tyrion was was very humbled. Jorah um obviously got silent and looked and he turned around and looked and it's a bit like that moment in Jurassic Park, really, when they're looking at the dinosaurs, you know. <laughs> Brachiosauruses. Grant, yeah, the Brachiosauruses. And it honestly is. Like, I want to uh, superimpose that music. Not that I would replace the music in this episode, because I think it's amazing. Um, but great. Valeria, where, you know, I guess it's uh, Gr- Dr. Grant, like, grabs um, her head and turns her to the dinosaur. Yeah. She's looking at the map. It's it's a, It was a bit like that for me. To me, th- they're going through this quasi- apocalyptic type of sight, right? Something really, really bad took place here. And as we have the characters of Tyrion and Jorah who are sailing through this, I like the idea of what Eric said, paying tribute with the poem, but I almost wonder, is it a rite of passage for them to get back to Daenerys? You know, going through this area, seeing Drogon flying overhead... Or is it even prophetic in a way? Because is this what awaits Westeros if it continues along this path? Valyria had been prospering for thousands of years when this doom came upon it. You know, it, It's almost like Westeros has been prospering, even though they've had battles here and there for such a long time, but we know that winter is coming. And you know, just like the fire rained down upon Valyria is the ice going to rain down upon Westeros and you know what kind of effects are, are we going to see a hundred years from now you know, will will characters be riding through different parts of, of, <laughs> like of Westeros and, yeah. and saying this is where the doom of Westeros happened when the half man was king <laughs> <laughs> I like that approach though can you imagine visiting Daenerys Targaryen after sailing through her ancestral homeland. I just, I love that he asked Jor if he's picking up a, a souvenir from her ancestral home, just in case he's not enough to win mm-hmm. Jor back. Because you can see that being plausible. You can see that being, I don't know, you know, just got to get some souvenirs. If it wasn't, if it wasn't such a dangerous place to be, um, you can see them stopping off and and taking time to admire the the view and the history of it all but they can't you know they're they're quickly under attack and and it's it's just as it turns out i mean it's just it was just uh jorah's way of avoiding trouble <laughs> which is, calls <laughs> calls some things into questioning with with his reasoning but yeah daenerys is a living legend she's a fucking legend you know mm. she's off the blood of of the people yeah. from this place from the kingdom that you know like like micah said prosper for so long and we were able to do so many things and until the doom struck, I don't know. Can you imagine not having the gumption to just most of the the royal smiths that that were able to to craft Valyrian steel or that had um, just access to the ability to be able to do it would have just been out of nowhere to some. Mm-hmm. 
taken out by this cataclysmic event and the fact that it, it it's it was so widely struck across the the general area you know the the language obviously could make it out because people that could speak valerian obviously teach valerian would have been hanging out in other in other places. They would have been trading, traveling. They would have moved, relocated, anything. Yeah, they were oppressors. I mean, the oppressed would have carried that language too, whether they wanted to or not. But that fact alone, and it's pointed out in the show, is a great mechanic of telling us, without telling us in so many words, that it was abrupt, it was swift, and it was complete. And it's only solidified more by what we see here. So it's very cool. It's it's very interesting. And we'd love to to give it much more much more much more practice and much more discussion. And this is going to be something that we will eventually approach in our show. We have obviously more ice and fire to get to with more books to be released and more seasons to dive into, but um we've been we've been enthralled with what the show has done and we've been enthralled with the subject material here. And I think that it's it's very important if you're a massive fan or even a passive fan, and this is funny, obviously <laughs> it's coming coming from us. It's 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 a little unfair because I'm going to suggest it if you're listening to the show. I'll just say that uh, if you're if you're listening to a podcast about this series, uh, do yourself a favor and 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 find the knowledge and educate yourself on this fictional world <laughs> like I have uh, uh, with other stories and other fictional realms that I'm vast, vastly interested in because I, I think it does well to to allow you to appreciate the real world even more um, by by going into something that's so available and so approachable and it has such maj- majestical figures. And one of the really sweet things about that is when you learn how completely normal all these majestical figures are and you can look around yourself in your day-to-day life and know that uh, history is all just cyclical. It's all a process, and you're you're a part of it all. And and like us, these characters are a part of this cyclical process. It's been what something like eight thousand years since the last long or since the long night where winter lasted for a generation, and we're seeing what has prospered since then take place right now in our story. And that's not counting uh, what has gone on in the entire continent of Essos which has been fraught with with perilous uh, and wonderful things that has led to what it is now. But even out in Westeros, like you were saying, Micah, um, it's it's now reaching a point where we have, I mean, it's it's been going in this route for a very long time, but it's at a point where we have kings and we have seps and we have order and we have structure and we have lords that serve their people. We have people that serve their lords. And we have an order like the Night's Watch that is ancient and that is continuing to do not to the same level, but what it was charged with one day long in the past. And this place, Planetos, as one of our listeners wrote in a long time ago, Planetos, uh, I feel, and which is, which is really cool because this could just be a story based on some people in the world. We could just be getting all of this knowledge about the world that they're living in for no reason. And that, and that could just be like extra, uh, meat for us to chew and maybe even extra content for the people that create the story to sell and make money off of. But no, this history is, has done nothing but set us up for and to give us, get us more excited for what we can expect will be an even larger definitive moment in the history of this planet and the history of, of all of these organisms that inhabit it. And we've gotten to get to know characters for what will be something like 
you know, five, six books before it all goes down. How cool is that? So you're suggesting basically that, that George is going to top the Doom of Valyria in present day. I, I think so. If ice and fire finally meet, I don't know if it's happened yeah, yet. That's, yeah, that's true. You're right. I, I, know? Should, I should sound like I believed it a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> If the you know the, the history of what we've learned from the books and what we've learned from a world of ice and fire mm-hmm. uh, teach us anything, it's that you know it's all been a process and it's all been like I said cyclical, uh, allowing things to 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 be powerful for a certain amount of time and like progress will be made and then all of a sudden something will happen. Uh, but I don't know if it's ever reached the point where the fabled evils of the Great North and this this place that we've been speaking of Essos a lot, but this place in the, in the Western half of this planet that we see in our maps uh, mm-hmm. that has bred beings like the children of the forest, you know, if, how does that interact with what's been going on in Essos? Like, how does that yeah. fit in with the Lord of light and all these devout followers of Rolor? I don't know. And I want to know. And I think it's fascinating that our characters, so we have certain characters who are in a, who are in a position to know, uh, Bran, I'm thinking of, who's with the guy who is apparently behind the Children of the Forest, and I know we're not seeing them this this season, but you know, there's a character who is very uh, ready to receive all of the answers that we've ever wondered about those specific questions. And I mean, with the Lord of Light, it's a little less uh, cut and dry because we have a couple of followers of his that we know, and they all produce results. Um, but we don't know exactly who might have all the answers or if it's just all smoke and mirrors. Um, but in terms of finding like a religious uh, figure or, or uh, this ancient magic that's almost unknowable um, to find and seek out creatures or characters who claim to have that knowledge um, is extremely exciting. And to see our characters be in positions where they're about to get some answers, like basically ancient answers. Yeah. Um is just a really cool, I feel like that's, that's why we like the fantasy genre um, mm-hmm. so much because we, we can imagine like yeah. there being a secret ancient secret that, that we could find out. It's very empowering. It's very like um, exciting. There's always that the feeling of, of bringing the old into the fold of the new in some capacity, right? What took place before channeling that power either dictates making it relevant to what is happening or what will happen in the future and it has to be i mean it's not like it would just disappeared and go nowhere if it was this great yeah we found a way not we personally but like the characters in the series have found a way to reawaken it and bring it back and who knows how it's all going to be utilized in this final battle of ice and fire all these different religions, all these different elements that we've learned about up until this point, how will they be utilized against each other or how will they be utilized together? We, we don't know. And I think that's part of the fun of, of reading and, and watching and, and seeing what happens. And when I was just doing a little bit of reading about the doom of Valyria, it seems like something came along that was, similar to what happened here to our world in around the time of the dinosaurs, uh, not to reference Jurassic Park again, but <laughs> why not? when the meteor came, right? It, it oh. seems like there was something 
very comparable in what was written about the doom and it may, it may not be identical to what happened but it, it reminded me also of the meteor that we saw back in season mm-hmm. two. Oh yeah when meteors. it was going through the sky yeah yeah, yeah. in terms of cataclysm absolutely and just the fact that you know that just all the destruction that happened all the the breaking up of of land right it's it's very reminiscent so i i don't know what this all means i just know that we had two of our favorite characters as i mentioned before who are who are riding on a boat that yeah, let's face it, that boat was not sufficient to be traveling those waters in the first place. Hey, give it up for the boat. The boat the boat did Great what boat. it could. We don't know what we don't know how it went out. It, it may show up yet and save their save There's their ass. Some stone men that are unfortunately living in the ruins of an ancient place and they have a boat now and they're just sailing around. <laughs> now they have a boat. It will forever be a mystery and in our next conversation with Brian Cogman, we're going to need to understand how they got from point A to point B. Well, in the, the matter that Yeah, happened. yeah, and I'm sure it's a very interesting story. I mean, for me the stone men is a huge question mark and I mentioned uh we mentioned earlier in the week how they were being um hinted at, talked about basically every episode this season so far and and my real question about you know, going through the episode is just how immortal are these creatures? I mean, there there's sort of a, as Gilly's story uh, seemed to indicate, they're more animal than man of sorts. And, and that alone gives them a sort of added layer of, to us, they seem immortal, or to us, they seem um, more dangerous, more likely to withstand a, a stab. I mean, I think rewatching Jorah gets a few good slices in before he uh, eventually, I guess what you'd suggest would be disembowels that guy, but we don't see it. Like, I wonder if they can even bleed. They're stone men. Like, they, they look like they're made of stone. Of course, there's still some remnant of of human there alive, but and they were once human. But for me, my question lies in, you know, can they really breathe underwater? Like, it seems like that thing that pulled Tyrion down was also not drowning. So what exactly are the limits of, of this affliction and what the hell are they doing? I mean, clearly they, they didn't choose to be in Valyria. This is where they get sent. It's almost like a, like a penal colony, like what they used to do with criminals in Australia. But, you know, just like, this is where they go to die or to degenerate into these creatures. Is it giving them power? Are they are they really as weak as some would have you believe, or are they superhuman like they seem to be in this finale? It's all interesting questions. I take it as a skin condition, you know, stone men being a, a, a phrase to describe how they look. I think yeah. the sword the sword passed through him pretty pretty casually, and as we can see from Shireen's face, quite often, you know, she still it's just it's just it's a it's a condition. But can and it I, evolve? Like you yeah, know, you know. It, Living with it, maybe breeding with it over time. Of course, time. it can evolve. I mean, these yeah. are people who are in the latter stages of of grayscale. This has completely consumed their body yeah. at this point, and mm-hmm. so I assume inside and out. Yeah, I mean, talk to a Westerosian doctor. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not no. sure how it works. Call a maester. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. No, I mean, I, I I love the idea that this. I mean, I, it scares me. It frightens me, and and I love thinking about it. Well, it's fitting that they're here, and, and I, I like that you you mentioned that. It, you know, does this place have an effect on on what what they're going through? And you know, who knows? Because you know, Valyria is, is there's so much fabled around it, and and part of me wants to default to the reality of, like I said before, these were just people. These were just 
their own characters living in this time. And it's easy to aggrandize something that happened so far in the past, mm -hmm. especially when they built up such an impressive place and were able yeah. to do so much among themselves. Even what's left of it is impressive. Yeah, and to have such a such a foothold on everything in Essos and to have all these other places that were doing all of their own evolving and growing into their own communities to essentially bow at their feet. So it's it's easy to to aggrandize it. But I think that again, I'm just getting in my own mind confused. You know, we're we're talking about the three-eyed raven and we're talking about uh, the children of the forest and it's like, well, where where's the cutoff? You know, we don't know why everything has happened again. Mm. We can we can see it all is happening again, and by everything happening, we mean like this this emergence of this this unexplainable power. Uh, you know, we we did have a comet fly through the sky, and I think when this is all said and done, we can look back and see how that is a great indicator that if if it is a sign, if it's not just an and by the way, the fact that there's seasons react in certain ways and we've talked about this before but mm. the seasons reacting in certain ways leads us to believe that the star system or the, the cosmology in this story isn't quite the uh the focus or isn't quite something that has like a mechanical purpose so we, we can just assume that seeing a comet uh may have something to do with whatever powers dictate what is happening on, on this planet like lord of the rings you think about the story in the area uh are the uh the world that all of these characters live in in The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, uh, it's explained later on in The Silmarillion in great detail, back to literally the genesis of the plane of existence that all of this happens in. I mean, we're talking, you know, biblical levels. We're talking a creator did this, and then discord happened, and then eventually all of this took place. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious as to if we'll ever get anything that deep with this series because I'm interested to know how these things on a technical level are happening because the science behind stuff I think is still very important. And when you have almost a responsibility to the audience, when you've built it out this thick that those things should also be explained. And I'm not sure if they ever will be, but we've gotten an awful lot and we've gotten plenty to chew on. And I think that, when we're reminded of all of these things and the implications of what they could be as we sail through a broken down place like Valyria, there's a certain responsibility to to care about those as well. So as 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 fans of what is happening, allow us all to enjoy this together and to kind of soak it all in and to be really, really excited about the finish to what our, all of our heroes are doing right now and how it will lead and we can only assume that the song of ice and fire, I mean, hopefully it could be the, you know, the end, the finish to all this. I'm not sure if, if, if this place that they live has a, has a purpose or if it will just continue and surely not in complete peace after everything comes to a head, but let's all just hope together that uh, it's grand and, and as well thought out as everything that we've seen so far has been. I hope so. George better get on writing that book, though. Imagine the pressure. Look at what has been has been flushed out. And that man's got big shoulders. He can he can handle the pressure. Hey, I, I'm right. I'm You're just right. thrilled to go on watching at the pace that we're allowed to go on watching. Um, this episode was above and beyond. I mean, it's even the last ten minutes alone, uh, far more than I was expecting. Uh, you know, in terms of how it moved me, and uh, the show continues to do that. So. Mm -hmm. I mean, knowing that, knowing full well that Brian's got the next episode, 
uh, which is called Unbowed, Unbent, and Broken, by the way, and that's those are the Dornish words. Like, I'm looking to finally actually get some decent screen time over there, and as I had suggested, maybe with some of the other plot lines, but but really, like, the quality is is there. I'm shocked and stunned by the visuals that, that we got to see of, you know, the stone men were fully realized, the uh, ruins of Valyria were realized, and we, that was, like, completely unexpected. I didn't think they'd be making that pit stop or detour on the way to Marine. I thought it was just, you know, around the bay. Let's also remember that there was a large focus placed on grayscale early on this season, and they don't just do it for no reason, and the reason why they wanted to do it was to set up the scene with Jorah and Tyrion, Mm -hmm. where Jorah ends up getting grayscale at the end of the episode. Right. And I thought it was it was very well done. It was subtly placed initially in conversations that Tyrion was overhearing when he was in Volantis. And right. then conversations between Shireen, who has Grayscale, and, and Gilly, particularly pertaining to Gilly's sisters. And then, of course, the big scene between Stannis and Shireen when he gives her the whole story about how she caught Grayscale and what he was willing to do in order to treat her and protect her and keep her safe. And I think that within the last episode, when you have him telling her that he would never send her off to live with the stone men in Valyria, and then next, <laughs> the very next episode, you're there in Valyria with the stone men, you can mm-hmm. see why Stannis chose to do what he did. Because one of those people who jumped onto the boat could have been Shireen, you know. Yeah. So it, it was just very, very well done. Different from the books, I think mentioned that in the last episode. Not drastically different, just different in terms of the characters that are involved in this particular scene. But if you're a fan of the books and a fan of the show, I don't think you can be disappointed here. I think that they chose to go the route that made sense and it's a it's a familiar character it's it's somebody that people can identify with what i'm interested in is now how does this play into the rest of his storyline knowing he has this condition and is him keeping this from her or other people going to come back to hurt him yeah in the long run i i really wonder Uh, i mean maybe daenerys will do what Stannis did and seek out all the best doctors from nearby only because she couldn't bear to lose yet another trusted advisor. Well, in general, just decency, you know? He's a person. Yeah. Let's help him. As as Tyrion mentioned, it may have been kinder just to put a sword through uh, those people who ended up becoming yeah, the stone men we saw. Yeah, so I wonder if that is also foreshadowing what they end up... Maybe they'll euthanize Jorah yeah. either at his own request or... I mean, it would be that would be tough, but it would also be... It's just, you know, in terms of Danny losing another advisor, as we just mentioned, I mean, with the early death of Barris and Selmy, uh, just from fan fan reaction, fan rage, um, to yeah, that was... also lose Jorah uh, would be really rough for her. It feels good, though, doesn't it, to know that they're headed toward Daenerys Targaryen? And all that we've yeah. been speaking about and all the, the myth and legends surrounding the things in this story, it's it's cool to know that Tyrion Lannister sailed through the ruins of old Valyria on his way to Daenerys Targaryen, being brought by Jorah Mormont, a man of the North, a man that has gone through so much himself. And -hmm. you can't help but to wonder about the tales that will be spun one day if this all makes it, if if, if the world (laughs) is not consumed by the doom and and everything is is destroyed, you can't help but wonder what stories will be told about the half-man 
with the bear traveling through the ruins of old Valyria on their way to the last dragon. You know, it's just, it's cool. I mean, Tyrion as a prince, he's not really a prince, but uh, he's not, he's not Prince Oberyn, right? Traveled quite a bit and learned where he could everywhere. And Tyrion has never been to the East. For, For being a member of this prominent family, this is him in an area where we didn't expect him. And this is him witnessing all the things he read about. We know Tyrion's reader and the poem that he recites, apparently Jorah read the same book. Um, it's apparently well known because they both recite it. But but Tyrion as a reader is finally able to get out of his head and, and out of the book into reality and notice that this is a place that he never thought he'd see is is very exciting. It's like when we see a place we've never thought we'd see before. It's It's that same sense of awe and wonder. Uh, coupled with the fact that the place has the awe and wonder already uh, by the gallons. If this will be a tale one day, you can't help but to think, right now, is it important that it's these two people? Like, why is it Tyrion Lannister that was set on the course by whatever fate to go this way? Why did everything happen in this way? For his father to be murdered at his own hand, for him yeah. to even enter a situation where he needed to leave his comfortable environment he out west. Certainly can't go back west, as far as unless it's on one of Danny's dragons. But I take comfort in knowing that Tyrion is this awesome character who's just had the best uh, lines consistently throughout the series. He befriends all the people who are who are have reason to hate him, um, makes them laugh, makes them grin. Like the scenes when we do eventually get to Daenerys, I know they say they have a long walk in this episode ahead of them. But when we do eventually get those scenes of Amelia Clark and Peter Dinklage, it's going to be amazing, and you know it. I hope so. We can only assume that because there are characters in the story that are so important to us and that have, especially in Tyrion's case, gotten so many chapters uh, and who have eventually been led into the fates that they have been led into, uh, that it's not random. And we can assume that they will have an important part to play in the wars to come. We got a very interesting comment on our Facebook wall that I thought would be important to read from a Chris Zahner that adds a little bit of perspective to these things happening and, and I think is a is a bit of a chin scratcher. So those of you listening at home, scratch with us. Scratch with us? <laughs> scratch with us. <laughs> That's all I got. Scratch. He says, just want to add something to what must be the most popular owner of this episode. Remembering this passage between John and Tyrion on their way to the wall, this is from season one, gave me extra chills in the beautiful Valyria dragon moment. Tyrion says, When I was your age, I used to dream of having a dragon of my own. John says, You did, Tyrion? Oh yes. Even a stunted, twisted, ugly little boy can look down over the world when he's seated on a dragon's back. I used to start fires in the bowels of Casterly Rock and stare at the flames for hours, pretending they were dragon fire. Sometimes I'd imagine my father burning. At other times, my sister... Don't look at me that way, bastard. I know your secret. You dreamt the same kind of dreams. He says, chills, sighs, tears, lump in my throat, and my first too long own. So thank you for your first own. Guys, are your brains all right after that? Wow. My brain is, my chin is not. It's even bare than it normally is. Scratch it. Bit of setup in the first season, hmm? Yeah. Also, I'm I'm trying to think if Tyrion's going to get his childhood wish. Seems to be rather interested in fire. Well, it seems to foreshadow really just what it takes for him to even be there. He did kill his father. It may not have been through burning, um, but uh, any he his sister is in a very vulnerable position. He basically, I mean, he really did truly turn his back on his family. It's not just 
in the killing of his father, he he put his uh, brother and sister in a very, very, very weird position. And, and so he basically, they're all burned to him. He's never going to be able to, to go back to them. And so I wonder if that's not like a be careful what you wish for type thing. I think it's pretty obvious that this is saying that there's more to Tyrion than we know. Yeah. I think it sparked a lot of conversation around could he be a Targaryen? And mm-hmm. there was that whole story about Tywin's wife and the Mad King and theories abound, but I, I still think Tyrion was Tywin's child. And I think in a lot of ways he proved himself to be. And we've probably talked about that enough in past episodes. But there's a lot to take away from that moment in season one. And when you you mentioned the part about Jon having that same dream, was it a dream of riding a dragon? Was it a dream of killing his family? I, I, I just couldn't put my finger on it. Or is it a mix of both? because he was brought up to be a bastard in the eyes of those that were around him did he really detest his family i don't think he did well to me it's to me it's just that ultimate power of as he said like looking down upon the world we have all these small moments with all these characters scenes in the last episode most fresh from our mind obviously that are adding up to this mathematical pot of i was going to say pot of goo but it's more like a pot of got <laughs> pot of game of thrones <laughs> pot of it's god it's cool it's 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 a wonderful place to live in right now and i'm just i'm happy to see that we're getting prompts in this show that are sparking the kinds of, of questions from our listeners and that are sparking the kinds of questions that we are posing to each other you know that we're so interested in and and i think what are very important overarching themes and i think that uh, being so mindful of something, even if it's not real, is a good practice just to sharpen your brain and just to to feel more present. And so it's cool that the show is doing that to us right now. And I can't help but to wonder uh, what will happen to Tyrion Lannister and what will happen to Jorah Mormont if they do not reach Daenerys. But surely they will after all this has happened, Hmm. after this legend has been set up in the way that it has been set up. I have a good feeling about our characters. It's just adds even more drama to to this pot that we're not even going to see the ice aspect of that this season. Bran has ended the last... Remember how the last season ended, guys, with a guy telling Bran that he would fly and <laughs> lay- lying in front of this place, this man, where they were just carried through a magical door, where someone had just thrown a fireball, where skeletons were just fighting and mm-hmm. killing. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's coming to a head, and it's uh, it's going to be cool. I mean, I didn't think this about Tyrion Lannister before, that he was going to be this kind of important. Like, I knew that Danny would be. I knew that Bran would be. You know what I mean? Because right. he's got fucking visions, for Christ's sake, and Danny yeah, can yeah, sit yeah. in fire and have dragons. But what has Tyrion done? Yeah, I mean, he's, it's he's been the glue set up. that holds the kingdom together. But yeah, it's, he's not... He's not a... You, you, would, you, would, you would see him as being not one of the power players necessarily. I mean not maybe a power player but not someone that's that's connected with this fate of all things yes yeah you know but it has been set up if you read the context clues from what we've seen and from also like like the fact that the story his fate has led him to this place that's not a that's not a coincidence the fact that he's going to Daenerys like none of that is a coincidence yeah so clearly clearly there's a from what we didn't expect even someone you know that like like him can be so crucial when we did not know 
there's power yet that we haven't seen from Tyrion Lannister. That's that's a pretty exciting thought. I agree. I, I think that they're setting him up to be a pivotal character. He's not just the character that everybody enjoys hearing one-liners from anymore. He's clearly integral to the end game, and I think that we know from past interviews with George R. R. Martin that he is his favorite character. Whether that means he's going to make it to the end <laughs> is anybody's guess because we all know what George likes to do to the characters that he loves, or at least he <laughs> claims to love for that matter. So watching Tyrion grow into a larger role from a grand picture standpoint is going to be fun because we know the type of character that he is. We know his personality. We know how he likes to interact with other characters, no matter who they are. He's really not one to put on a filter. So we're going to see him, I think, hopefully get a chance to play the political game, which we know he's really good at, uh, but also to get involved in this coming war, this coming battle that's going to take place and will he make it through to the end? Who knows, but he's got a big role to play. I think that, to Zach's point, has been guaranteed. It's an unexpected turn. You know, he was he was doing vastly different things uh, in this series. We've seen other characters be clearly faded to certain conclusions, but this has happened like out of almost out of nowhere. The way the way it did, and the fact that Varys saw something in him and put him on this course or helped him be pushed along to this course. Uh, it's very cool, and I'm interested to see where all of this is headed. And I think that, uh, thankfully, we're going to get a, a lot of perspective that we weren't quite expecting so soon in this season, which is, whoa, that's, that's a bit nuts. I certainly hope so. I know we're all looking forward to continuing the dirt, the journey. <laughs> <laughs> Love journeys. Me too. Uh, the journey with Tyrion and Jorah which hopefully we'll get a chance to do in episode six. But before we get there, as is the case every week following every episode, <laughs> we'd like to put out an ask on the World Wide Web for your owns, which are these amazing moments that take place during each episode that you consider to be the top, the best they make you feel so good. On the they make you song. laugh. It's like eating a brownie. <laughs> it's like singing the Valyria theme song at the top yeah. of your lungs. <laughs> uh, sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sorry. No, you shouldn't be. You guys did a great job with that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's let's uh, let's do some ones then. I think it's important. There's a there's a large satchel with us. We actually are going to go into emails first because that would be the kind thing to do. Yes. The first email that we have uh, comes from Palomi, who says, Hi, guys. I'm a huge fan of the podcast, and I've heard all your episodes, some of them multiple times over the past few months. Your witty banter and really insightful comments make this whole Game of Thrones phenomenon ten times more enjoyable, and it's a blissful cure for those boring days at work. Mm. What a season this is shaping up to be. Submitting my first own today, and there were so many to choose from. Stannis correcting grammar, Danny not wanting to overfeed her dragon, and Sansa <laughs> slapping the Boltons with the, this is my home, just the people are strange. But the end of the episode truly blew me away. So my very first own goes to the Joratirian boat show and their trip through Valyria with the haunting landscape and flying dragon and poignant poetry. 
probably one of the most staggeringly beautiful shots ever. Keep up the great work. Can't Thank disagree you. with that. She no. touched on everything. <laughs> everything. You keep up the great work. Okay. We also heard from Jesper Carlson, who wrote in, Hello, Gu. Hello. Hello, Jesper. Hello. My own for this episode goes to David and Dan for the continued hammering of the R plus L equals J situation to make everyone put two and two together, or one and one, depending on how you <laughs> <laughs> look at the situation. One and one is two, because uh. In this particular episode, it was Maester Eamon and Sam talking in the beginning and the Maester saying, Targaryen alone in the world. It's a terrible thing. And then in comes John. Thanks, guys. I'd imagine everyone who pays even the slightest attention has figured it out by now. <laughs> Keep on going. Uh, I'm afraid it's a ruse. Yeah. Is it? I'm afraid. I don't know. I think we're we're really looking now for clues in every episode. And maybe there are just scenes that are meant to be misleading or just normal and we're reading too much into it. I Who feel knows? like they're just having fun with it. You know, like it could be true. It could still end up being true, uh, but they're going to have fun with sort of teasing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nothing wrong with having fun. And if yeah. you're looking for clues, look no further than an email from Clubistia Sumo who used hashtags in an email, <laughs> which is very impressive. My first own goes for the one true king, Stannis the Manus, for saying to Sam, keep reading, Tarly. Hashtag Sam the Slayer. Hashtag love the podcast. Hashtag space. Love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Clubiste. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Stannis is definitely one we can rely on each episode for a handful of owns. Is that where the bulk of our owns came from today? I see I'm, I'm holding this bag, Micah, and I, I feel a Stannis-sized lump, but I can't quite be sure. There's a big S on the bag. That should have oh. gone away. <laughs> I thought, oh. Well, no. actually, if they were all related to Stannis, there'd be a, there'd be fewer. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> Nicely done. Well, now it's time to really open up that satchel, Zach. Stick your hand open. deep down inside and start pulling out those owns from Twitter and Facebook. You arrived in majestic fashion, we mentioned in our last episode, but it does well to mention again. This past Sunday evening, not only had an amazing episode, but you guys, again, made it feel like one large, happy family. And that does well for us to creep into the new week with that kind of vigor and enthusiasm, not only for the series, but for all of our efforts. So why not jump into musical fashion, as we do, and celebrate your celebrations. And here come the owns in five, four, three, two, one. People who drink need to keep drinking. Penelope says, gotta give it to Danny for finally feeding her babies a proper meal. Hashtag happy Mother's Day. To all the moms, happy Mother's Day. Asherah Stoneheart. Well, my own goes to the Viserion and Regal. Mmm, barbecue. Brisket. <laughs> Brienne of Tarth, Beauty Brienne on Twitter says, My first own goes to the dragons for going all Jurassic Park T-Rex on that unfortunate guy on fire. It was tasty. Bobcat6, own to Rhaegal and Viserion for their impeccable good manners. They divided dinner exactly in half. Thank you. Hashtag make mine well done. Good brothers equal portions. Miranese steak. <laughs> and, oh, God. My favorite. It's terrifying. Teresa says Danny owned that marriage proposal. So romantic. Very. Evan Nagati. I'm making that up. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> Evan on Facebook says, own goes to Danny for calling out his dar for acting like a bitch. He was. Uh-huh. Wendy the White Fawn, our good friend, says, own to Khaleesi finally being a good mother of dragons Daenerys. on Misa's day. Opposed to Lady Baratheon, who's the worst mom in the Seven Kingdoms. Yeah, she's pretty bad. And uh, Brienne of Tarth, who tweeted in before about mm. uh, the dragons, says all of her other owns go to Sansa, <laughs> whose sass game was on point tonight, True. or on fleek, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> I wonder if it's on Urban Dictionary. I'm going to look that Elise up. Elise Cara own goes to Miranda for owning Sansa, showing her Theon. Yeah. yeah. Sansa knows better. Let's be real, though. Sansa's been hanging out with Peter Baelish and was in King's Landing. It's like, Miranda, level up a little bit. Know who you're dealing with. <laughs> Magnus Anton, at Geek Furious, tweeted in to us, There are five kinds of crazy in the world, and Ramsey is six of them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I really like that. Gavin Hoskins writes, Own goes to Ramsey for not only making his dinner guests feel awkward, but making my living room feel just as uncomfortable as we watched. <laughs> also, who doesn't love finding out how they were conceived? Hashtag cute story, Dad. Hashtag how I met your mother. <laughs> oh, gosh. I pity all of like the non- Game of Thrones watchers who were just searching that hashtag. Lauren writes, Ramsey, for the psycho that he is and going all parent-like, Enrique and Sansa. Hashtag apology lessons. Hashtag kill the boy. Tell her you're sorry. Tell her what it's for. The honorable and legendary Jeff Lightfoot writes, Stannis owned Bruce Bolton's daddy moment. <laughs> you are Princess Shireen of House Baratheon. Sounds so much sweeter than I took your mom under her father's <laughs> swaying corpse. <laughs> There's a right thing to do, and there's a wrong thing to do. <laughs> Jeff Lightfoot, Social Studies Department Chair. Thank you, Jeff. Not for much longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. House of Black and White writes, Fat Wald owned by getting knocked up. <laughs> she gets one up on Crazy Ramsey. That is bonus points. She unknowingly does it, She's though. so happy. Yeah, she's so innocent in the whole matter. Andy Robillard writes, Sansa gets the own with one sly smirk at the news of a true-born son of Bolt. Elizabeth Gorman says, My own goes to Gilly. She will not be patronized by Sam. Mm -mm. Jan Hobtemichael says, My own goes to the editor. The long fade to black. We know it well. Before Tyrion woke up, I expected the credits to appear, not Jorah Mormont. <laughs> but Jorah it was. <laughs> so it was a surprise. Marissa Reynolds is writing in, uh, with her first own ever. And it is to Valyria for the doom, and for the dragon, and for living history, but mm. not for the stone men. Hashtag <laughs> find a cure. Please. <laughs> Maya Pozzolo writes in, my own goes to Tyrion, sullen silence, and the occasional punch in the face, the Mormont way. Hashtag Mormont disposition. Hashtag stone cold mm. man. I see what he did there, or she did there, sorry. And Lady Silva writes in, my own goes to Jor for fighting off the bloody stone men and saving Tyrion, loving their bromance. You want your pairing, huh? OTP. The own TP. OTP. All right. Chris Brocco on Facebook says, Own goes to the writers. We get stone men, but not Lady Stoneheart. Ouch. Kyle Denny says, Own goes to the stone men for spreading their, quote, viral <laughs> marketing. <laughs> you know about us in Essos. <laughs> well done, Kyle. Well done. Listen to Eric laugh. <laughs> the old gods and Banu at Manuclear Bomb on Twitter. <laughs> quote, Nautical poetry with Jorah and Tyrion is a spinoff we need 
nay deserve. Saturday morning cartoons. Ariana Quiano says, My own goes mm. to the site of Valyria. It owned Tyrion, Mormont, and myself. So beautiful. And it also goes to Tyrion's words about it hauntingly beautiful. It was. Esteemed council member Ish. Ish. Owned to that entire last sequence with Jorah and Tyrion. The camera work, the scenery, the doom, Drogon, the grayscale, and the budding broness between Jorah and Tyrion. What more could you have asked for? Not Hashtag Jorah no. no! Hashtag kill the boy. Roshni Babwani, own ghost of Tyrion's I'm so sober, I'm hallucinating a dragon right now expression. <laughs> Hashtag so sober, I'm drunk. He was, he was, his hands were shaking. Casey Olsen, owned a Drogon for flying over the freaking doom of Valyria, <laughs> as if 90% of his species didn't die there. Hashtag drive it, don't give a fuck. Wow. That well is, done, Casey. Yeah, that is a note. <laughs> Daniela Harker, owned to Drogon for being the only thing that can render Tyrion Lannister speechless. <laughs> very true, very true. At Jammin Weasley. That's a good name. On Twitter, Stannis owned language by calling everyone out on their grammar. He did. Esteban Guariante writes, my own of the week is Stannis telling Sam to keep reading. Christy Webb writes, owned to Stannis the Manus and Lord of Literacy's new reading campaign. Lord of Literacy. <laughs> like the Lord of Light. King of the Andals in the first man. Jennifer Varney says, this librarian's own goes to Stannis, who is clearly a librarian at heart. Hashtag keep reading, Samuel Tarley. Great hashtag. Nathan Larson, own goes to Uncle Davos asking Shireen to protect him. He's the cool guy that's not part of the family, but everyone calls an uncle. <laughs> <laughs> uncle Davos. Sammy Anutzi says, owned Misande for planning a big old white one on Grey Worm. It was a smooch. It was a smooch. <laughs> they kissed. Ashley writes in, own goes to Grey Worm for proving that it's not what you're missing that counts, but how you use what you have. Hashtag listen up, boys. Ooh. Hey, okay. She's dropping knowledge. I like it. Kristen, owned Grey Worm for getting the hottest girl in the East and the West. Hashtag power couple. Archiro JL says, my own goes to Randall Tarly. Being the only one who won a battle against Robert in his rebellion. Nice job, Randall. You're still a douche. <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa Macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa says, John gets my own two weeks in a row. There he is. This time for owning that conversation with Tormund. He did. He certainly he did. owned it quite a Dylan Johnson <laughs> scrawled upon our Facebook wall. He did. Owned Brienne. Quote, I serve Lady Catalan. And I serve her still. Who do you serve? End quote. Side note, is it just me, or is there some weird subdom sexual tension between Reek and Ramsey? This is not the first time I've felt it. I don't know. Eric. I haven't watched Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Eric? What, why are you deferring to me? Because <laughs> it's don't the like No, when Ramsey asked him in this episode to get on his knees, I thought the absolute worst thing that he could have done was make him suck him off. and uh, <laughs> That's the worst thing. Yes, because it was more emotional torture. Yeah, I, for, I forgive you. It was mental torture. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And final own of episode oh. five comes from Josh Sterkle, who says, Owen to Roos Bolton for impregnating Walda Frey. That <laughs> takes some balls. Congrats well. on the upcoming baby. Hashtag into the fray. Here's to the young wolf. Oh, forever young. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, a quick God. side note: Where in the H E double hockey sticks is Ghost? He should always be by John's side. Don't think I've seen him once all season. Huh. 
Ghost's been here. He was eating a bone. You guys remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason I know is because Strike pointed him out when we were watching the episode together. He was like, that's oh. Ghost. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I think, uh, as yeah, as Lord Commander, he could change all the kenneling laws. I think he has that power. You're right. Yeah. Those are the owns, ladies and gentlemen. The satchel is now empty as we await season five, episode six on Sunday evening. Uh, a lot of great owns sent in this week. We uh, always appreciate all of, of your submissions, and uh, we enjoy seeing them come in. We will do our best to collect in just as worthy series of owns for our next episode. But there are a number of different ways that you can send your owns to us. We featured all of them in this episode, and I would like to turn it over to my friend Eric to tell you how <laughs> to do that. Of course, there is Twitter and Facebook for those of you wanting to tweet at us. At Game of Owns is our handle. And if you'd like to scrawl upon our wall over at Facebook, simply go to facebook.com slash gameofowns. So those are the ways that you can get in touch with the show. Uh, one other way that you can give us your feedback is on iTunes. We appreciate you going over there and giving us a rate and review. It is the month sure of do. May in the midst of season five, so nothing less than five stars is acceptable. It's just the way that it works and... We know that uh, we bring it up on every episode, but it is really important to us that uh, you give us that feedback because there are other people out there who are searching for podcasts to listen to specifically related to Game of Thrones. So uh, by leaving your feedback on iTunes, it gives people a resource and we want more people to listen to the show and enjoy it just as much as you do. And we thank you in advance for those reviews, assuming that they're five stars. <laughs> Recently, there's been some very, very, very kind things said to us regarding the show. So just, just to echo what Micah said, thank you so much for, for listening and enjoying this little adventure we're having and for sharing those opinions with other people. And also for those of you who have been sharing our show with friends that are also interested in the story, it's uh it's important to to grow the community because as you know from listening, you and everyone else who listens uh have a very massive important role in everything that we do here. So tell your friends, tell your fathers that we're here, etc. 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 Man, Dorn next week, I hope. I think that, that it's safe to say that we will be in Dorn next it week. It would be criminal to name the episode on Bad Ben of Broken and then not featured Dorn. We also have a certain queen of thorns the only queen of thorns that we could also look forward to so i don't know if my my body's ready but i'll sure give it a shot yeah a lot of exciting things to look forward to on sunday's episode we also saw the house of black and white so aria finally returns after a little bit of vacation (laughs) or so it seems you mentioned dorn queen of thorns it's everything you could possibly want in a Game of Thrones episode. <laughs> Written by Brian Cogman, so... Assuming everyone's naked that we just mentioned. <laughs> and also directed by Jeremy Padesco again, who directed the episode we're speaking about tonight. So, uh, if everyone's very pleased with what they saw recently, get very, very excited for this Sunday night. And if you are watching along with everyone else that's watching, interact online... Have fun, because we'll all be having fun. You'll add to the overall experience for everyone. We're in the sixth episode of this fifth season, and time is just moving, moving, moving. Stay with us. (laughs) 